0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of I Don't Imagine Anyone's Listening, the podcast where I, certified internet nobody, talk about whatever the heck it is that I want to talk about because I don't imagine that anyone's listening. (laughs) I am your host, Monica Murray Durr, aforementioned certified internet nobody. So last time, if you listened, thank you, I teased slash promised some upcoming content and I'm going to do that, just not not right now. Right now, I want to talk about a book that I just finished reading and read very quickly. A little, little novel you might have heard of called Ender's Game. (laughs) Not exactly a hidden gem. A lot of people know about this book. I'm sure many of you have read this book. It's really great. I obviously very much enjoyed this book and I wanted to talk about it because a, a movie was made of it in 2013. And when the movie came out, Friends of mine who had read the book absolutely hated it because they thought it was terrible and it totally ruined the book. And I don't find that bad adaptations of movies really bother me. Like, I might be disappointed that this book that I like got a bad movie, but it doesn't It doesn't bother me so much. I'm just like, mm, whatever, typical. So I'd seen this movie a couple years ago. It came out in, I think, 2013. And despite having... A, a pretty good cast because it came out around the same time as a lot of these other um what's the word i'm looking for ah dystopian a lot of the it came out when the dystopian novel movie adaptation was the thing so we were getting uh the hunger games movies and divergent or as i like to call it less good hunger games was coming out this movie came out at the same time and because uh this book was a little bit because this book had been around for a while longer and was probably a little bit more uh respected as a novel (laughs) and a little more adult in its themes. It got a pretty good cast. Uh, Harrison Ford was in it, Viola Davis, Ben Kingsley, and the, the kids were good actors as well. Ender was played by uh, Aza Butterfield, who possesses the second best name in all the world. The best name, of course, belongs to a young man named Ezekiel Wigglesworth. Google him. He's a real person. He was in an episode of Doctor Who. Anyway, second best name in all the world as a Butterfield led the uh, the kids, the kid cast. Um, there was also Abigail Breslin and Haley Steinfeld. Good, good young actresses. So good cast. Um, very promising. Good cast. Good source material. Could have been a great movie. It was mm, fine. And the first time I saw this movie, I had not read the book and I was like, mm, it's, it was pretty good. I didn't hate it. I don't know what everyone's so upset about. And then I read the book and I was like, mm, okay, I get it. I understand. I'm not emotionally attached to this, so I'm not mad about it, but mm, I get it. So then I rewatched the movie to remind myself. And I think that this is a book that just can't be made into a movie. I just don't think it's ever going to work if, if they try again. I hope they don't try again because I just don't think it's going to work. So it runs into a couple of problems. So if you haven't read this book or seen this movie, I'm going to spoil the crap out of it. So you can you can pause and go read and watch if you'd like. But fair warning, going to spoil this. And so the premise of this book is that in the future, you know, we're on we're on a futuristic Earth. And at some point in the past, in the past of the future, you know what I mean, the Earth was invaded by these aliens who in the book are called buggers. In the movie, they call them Formex Understandable Change. Anyway, aliens invade Earth. You know, we nearly lose that that war, but somehow, magically, we don't. And um, they may or may not invade again. So, in in this this version of the future, future world, um, the human race is very focused on not getting destroyed by aliens again. So, basically, everyone exists to not get destroyed by the aliens. And all kids are tested and born for the purpose of finding out whether or not they are good enough to go to battle school and then command school in order to fight off these aliens and destroy them and keep them from invading the earth again. This is where our hero comes in. His name is Ender Wiggin, which is also a good name. Lots of good names today. And at the start of this book, he is six years old. And the first thing he does is beat another child within, in- within an inch of his life, which is horrifying when you read it in a book you go huh if you were to see that in a movie you would walk out of the theater <laughs> so they aged the kids up to sort of this seems to be about like 12 13 14 which I understand but then you kind of you lose just how vulnerable these children are which is one of the big things in the book <laughs> it's just these are literal children and the future of the human race is dependent on them and this one kid in particular and when you watch that kid grow up from six to eleven and a half so I say grow up but still a kid by the end of it it's a little bit different than just watching a teenager do some some futuristic zero-g battles that's that's one of the biggest problems and also the story itself takes unfolds over five to six years which is hard to do in a movie especially if the character is supposed to be a kid who would age and and physically change and and look different and it's it's a whole tough thing with you know do you cast multiple kids or do you do what they did and just say he's 13 and one kid is going to play him the whole time you know so despite being a relatively short book it does have a lot of time that it covers so it becomes a bit of a challenge the other challenge in making this into a movie you know a visual medium (laughs) is that a lot of the story takes place within the character development and the relationships between the characters. So one that I think they got right was between Ender and his sister Valentine, because in in this vision of, of future Earth, families are allowed two children, and if they want a third one, they have to apply for it. And then this third kid is called a third. Very original, <laughs> but also little demeaning. <laughs> so Ender is a third He's got an older brother who is incredibly violent and a psychopath. And then he's got a sister who is very kind. And his relationship with his sister is what keeps him from being a psychomaniac like his older brother, Peter. So because that relationship is really key and actually she is involved in some crucial plot points like convincing him to carry on. They did get that relationship pretty well Um, and Abigail Breslin is a good child actor so <laughs> she did very well. But you don't spend really any time with Peter so you you get a scene or two where he's just you know being a psycho but you don't really see the tension and the fear that Ender has that he will grow up to be like his brother. I say grow up the kid's like four years old than him but still because a lot of that takes place internally and You know, it's kind of boring (laughs) in a movie if that's... We're just talking and thinking, not not super exciting. There's another character who is... Really important to Ender's development from a, a soldier into a leader, and that's another kid called Bean. You know, like a bean. They don't explain it in the book. I don't think he's just called Bean, and you just get go. You just get on with it. In the movie, they try to explain it. and it doesn't. It's kind of dumb. They didn't. They, I just don't think they should have bothered. But in the book, you don't meet Bean until half-ish way through because Bean serves a very specific function in that he is. Uh, a sort of a, a tool that Ender uses to sort of realize the kind of leader or the kind of person that he's going to be because early on in when he comes into the the battle school where he's going to get trained to kick the snot out of some alien bug thingies. He is isolated from the other kids by being praised by the teachers and and all that kind of stuff. And so the other kids don't like him. And and so he's forced to retreat into himself and find a a way to win them over and and win their respect and, and all of that. And so Bean then becomes that person for him. So when he is forced into a leadership position, he does the same thing to Bean that the teachers did to him. And that doesn't happen in the movie at all. So you totally miss that layer of him going from frightened child soldier to confident still child commander. So that that was a real problem. They introduced Bean right away and he's just one of his friends, and you never get that stepping stone from soldier to leader. I guess Bean is the stepping stone in this situation. The other issue with making them teenagers is that teenagers have, you know, hormones that six-year-olds don't have or have not um, yet (laughs) presented an issue. So there's not a lot of girl characters uh in this book there's not a lot of other girls in the battle school other than his sister the most important uh girl that he has any sort of relationship with is a fellow student called petra and when they're kids they can just be you know two kids who are learning to shoot and float around in zero g suits but when they're teenagers there's some sexual tension there (laughs) Which is probably, I mean, I don't, I hope they didn't do that on purpose, but it just happens. It's just sort of a, it's just a thing that happens. Um, So that was a little bit odd as well, especially because, like, there's no room in the plot for that kind of thing. So it doesn't develop into anything. It's just that these two teenage actors have a little bit of sexual chemistry and you're kind of not sure what to do with it. And because you lost a lot of the character development and the growth that Ender has within himself and with the other kids he's in school with. The ending falls flat a little bit also because you lose how important the influence of Peter is over him, his psycho brother. The ending falls even flatter (laughs) because Again, massive spoiler, you've been warned, when he graduates from battle school to command school, he thinks that he is running a simulation of a fleet of ships fighting a simulation of the alien bug things. And the last simulation, quote unquote, that he thinks he's running is one wherein he destroys not only the alien fleet, but... Their entire planet because he's thinking purely tactically, how do I make sure they never fight back? Well, I destroy all of them. And then, as soon as he's done that, he finds out that none of it was a simulation. It was all real the whole time. There were actually people in those ships he was commanding. Pilots and, and fighters have uh, given their lives, and he has no idea he was commanding them. He made risky uh, decisions where. Lots of lives were lost because he didn't think they were real lives. He thought they were pixels. And then he just committed a genocide totally unwittingly. And he is understandably very upset about that. And in the book, you understand why he's so horrified because he thinks this is a Peter move. This is something Peter would have done. I am just like my psycho brother. And that's why the adults didn't tell him it wasn't a simulation because they knew if he thought it was, if he knew it was real, he wouldn't have done it. Sort of horrifying, but mm, y- 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 you understand the logic. And that's another tension. Whereas in the movie because you don't understand how important his brother is to his mindset. You don't get how upset he is over what he's done. You, ju- you, you get it intellectually, but the emotional kick just isn't there. In the book, there's also an entire subplot of what Ender's brother and sister, Peter and Valentine, are doing on Earth. And I get why they didn't put it in the movie because, again, not visually the most interesting thing to watch. But it is kind of important for the very end as well, like the falling action, if you will. So, while Ender is up in space learning to do fighty-fight things, his siblings, Peter and Valentine, are down on Earth writing a... Anonymous political commentary under assumed names. So they basically are down on earth just catfishing the entire political establishment of the entire world. And it's just a lot of them talking about writing. And Valentine is really upset that her dad is super into some of the more extreme things that her fake character is persona is saying and the two of them are are staging these sort of written debates and they get syndicated columns and you know really fun stuff to watch on your television screen and then that becomes important because at the end of the book Ender decides to quasi exile himself and join a colony and the reason he gets to do whatever it is that he wants to do is in part due to the influence of this fake political commentator that his sister has created you lose all of that all of that in the movie and then they're just kind of like and he went off and did whatever it is that he wanted to do in the movie, they also had Ender, the the character, sort of narrate some of the background stuff and, and give you some of that exposition that you, that you need just to understand the premise in the world and whatnot. And I thought that was also a mistake. Not necessarily the, the voiceover background stuff, but in the book, like the beginning of every chapter, there's a conversation between the adults that Ender is not privy to, but we the reader are. So we know more of what's going on behind the scenes than Ender does. And to have... Ender be the the narrator of the to fill in those gaps for us it it undercut the fact that Ender didn't know what was happening to him whereas if one of the adult characters like the Harrison Ford or the Viola Davis character had been the one to have that voiceover I think that would have made more sense narratively and also would have I think yeah it would have been truer to the the spirit of the book as well so the the TLDR version of this is really good book go read the book perfectly okay film If you've just, if you need to kill two hours and you'd like to watch something diverting, there's worse things you can do with two hours for sure. So that's that. I have reviewed a 30-year-old book and an almost 10-year-old movie for your listening pleasure. Thanks for joining me. And now, I am going to tease some genuine upcoming content, only because I'm going to stop this recording and jump right into it, because that's the way I roll. I am, in fact, going to do a quasi-review of Anthony Doerr's new novel, Cloud Cuckoo Land, which is coming out at the end of September. I'm not entirely sure where that's going to go, but I'm going to do it, and that will be the next thing you hear, or can download from this very podcast feed. So watch this space. So, still think people say? I don't care. I'm gonna keep saying it. That's it for me for the moment. Thank you for listening. You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, and, and also on my website. All those links are in the episode notes. Thanks for listening and I will uh, catch you next time.